show you that women are capable of achieving incredible things in their life when they put in some serious effort. My name is Victoria Smith. I am your host and I am a stress reduction coach who works to help women significantly reduce their stress so that you have the mental and physical space to do the things that matter most to you in your life. Now today on the podcast, I don't think it's an understatement to say that this is the most positive human being you will be exposed to, Liz Tizard. I had the absolute pleasure to meet Liz through my day job working with an organization called Propellus. And Liz was volunteering for us. We were also interviewing her as a vol- for a volunteer profile. And I was just blown away by the pure positivity, the excitement, the enthusiasm. And you really can't help but when you're around Liz to feed off of that energy. And it, it just felt like something truly special. So Liz began to work with us as a volunteer and I actually was the one sort of you know, assigning duties to her. So I got to know her really, really well. And when I heard that she was starting a fitness company, the Fun Girls Fit Club, I had a feeling she was going to do really great things. Now, as I was following her on Facebook, you know, she would share these sweaty selfies every day, but it wasn't about the picture. It was the caption. And, you know, I've seen a lot of motivational fitness stuff out there, but Liz is different. She always gets to the heart of what fitness does for her. And it's about her as a person and her self-care and getting back to her as an individual. And one of the main things that we talk about in this podcast is how to find yourself after motherhood. And I think so many women are going to connect to this that, you know, Liz threw herself into parenting full, full swing. She is a phenomenal parent to two boys. But what can happen, and I, you know, experienced this myself, is that you lose a bit of yourself along that process because you're working so hard to figure out this new role. You're trying to figure out how you do it. How is everyone else doing it? How should you be doing it? How do I fit all the things in? How do I juggle everything? And as a result, you kind of lose some of the essence of what made you you, or as Liz says, you know, what made her her. Whether it's because of motherhood or a major life change or a trauma that you've gone through or whatnot, if you are feeling a little bit not like yourself, or if you know someone who feels a little not like their self, this is the episode for you. Now, the Girl Tries Life podcast is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, which is powered by ATB. Now, I've got exciting news. I just got accepted into the ATBX Accelerator program. So that's basically what I'm going to tell you about for ATB today. ATBX is a a program, a 10-week program that will take a bunch of small businesses, myself included, through 10 weeks of uh, mentoring, coaching, uh, sessions that will really help us do everything from like figure out cash flow statements and our ideal client and all that kind of stuff. And we're also going to work together as peers and support one another. So I'm really excited. Now they do this a couple times a year. So if you are a small business owner and you're interested in learning a little bit more about it, go to atb.com and you can find out more. I will include all of that in today's show notes, which can be found at girltrieslife.com forward slash podcast forward slash nine eight. Now, the Alberta Podcast Network, if you have not heard me talk about them before, is a collection of podcasts from around Alberta covering everything from movies and health and wellness to 
education and everything in between. And I actually want to tell you about a podcast called Ed. And it's conversations about the teaching life. So it's no lists, no inspirational quotes. It's just honest conversations with teacher Shane Lawrence. So you hear interviews with educators every week and a monthly check-in with a roundtable of local teachers. I have, you know, one of my best friends is a teacher and I know what they go through. Uh, what kind, Like the things that our teachers are challenged with and challenge themselves with in order to really provide our kids with quality education. I just think they are our modern day heroes. And so I highly recommend you check that podcast out. I will include the link to Ed in uh, today's show notes again. So without further ado, let's head over to the podcast with Liz. Well, thank you so much, Liz, for joining us on the podcast. I mean, we've been talking for like an hour, but um, we will make sure we cover the ground that we missed. And uh, we might get interrupted by a baby, but oh I can goodness. edit that out. That's so okay. <laughs> That's exciting. How are you doing? I'm good. I Do you have a podcast? <laughs> I do. This is amazing. Well, so for, the, for our listeners, you and I met, is it a year and a half ago uh, now? Yeah. Yeah. A year just a over a, a year ago. Yeah, okay. just over a year ago. On uh, when I was working at Propellus and you That's were right. one of our fabulous volunteers who yeah. helped uh, advertise our volunteer opportunities so that people could, you know, get involved in the community. And I, um, as I think anyone that has a first interaction with you, was blown <laughs> away by like, holy smokes, you're one of the most like positive, happy people I know. Well, thank you. Like... <laughs> But I'm curious, and so we're just going to dive deep really quick, if yeah, that's okay with you. Let's just do it. Um, and I've, I've watched your sort of transformation over the past year on social media and all that kind of stuff. One of the things that I found personally was that often when you're this positive on the outside, if there is, ever is a struggle on the inside, people don't know, or you feel like you can't share that. Has that been something that you've experienced? Yeah, I think... You know, when I think back, we were talking about this earlier, but when I think back, I think that's the yin and yang of life. You know, like I have always tried my best to live myself, my life very positively. And I'm an easily excitable person because I am excited by the ordinary and by the little things in life that bring me joy. But with that said, you know, when, like I was talking about earlier, when I had kids, uh, when the kids were young and I got to this place where I didn't really have a sense of self and know who I was and where I was going. You know, there was less joy and less light there. Uh, but with that said, yeah, most of my life, I, I love people. I believe in the power of people. I believe in community. And so when I'm around people, yeah. it's very easy to shine and it's very easy uh, to share that light. And then now it's just... I guess it's been, uh, it's just taken me some time to find my space in that that is my joy as an extrovert being around people. But then when I'm, you know, on my own or in my home or with my family in a quieter space, that it's okay to just sit within myself and be who I am. Yeah. Which has been a really great practice. But uh, with that said, uh, that's taken, oh, Two years ago, I made a very intentional choice to go on a journey of self-discovery. And you know when I say that and I remember loud. you telling me this when we, were, yeah. when we were meeting. Like you were headed off to an ashram in yeah. Guatemala. And like, tell us about that. Yes, yes. The journey so, of self-discovery. <laughs> the journey of self-discovery. So 
I had, uh, so I struggled. Let's just throw that right out there on the table. So after I had kids, I had pretty much put the majority of me on a shelf. And I joke that uh, I'm an avid traveler. I had been to, at that point, I had been to over 35 countries, um, a lot of them independently from 19 years old up until uh, getting married and having kids. And so that was a huge part of my identity, being an adventurer, searching for the unknown, questing, journeying. But then something happened when I decided to be um, a stay-at-home mom, even though it was an active choice that I made for me and my family, that uh, my husband was supportive of, that I thought that that meant shelving me and that I wasn't really a part of the equation. And so I rested that on the shelf and left my travel bags at the door to the point that, um, you know, the job I had chosen right before getting married was not aligned with me or my values. Uh, Once I had kids at three months pregnant prior to having kids, I declared my last uh, trip, which was, uh, well, there was a family death, so it left in, um, it left at, it ended at four days, unfortunately, but I called it the final trip. Like I set myself up for failure so bad um, because I live very much in this world of black and white that if I was going to be something, I couldn't be something else. Um, And so, yeah, so five years into having kids and raising kids and and having a good enough time doing that, but a sense of, you know, lost self. I, my husband got stuck up north working um, because of our bad economy in Calgary and it was what it was. We had a three and four and a half year old and I decided that I needed to make a move. And when I, (laughs) because of this wonder lesson, this traveling, when I make a move, I don't make little moves. Mm -hmm. I make big moves. And so the first way that I thought to align back with who I was, was, you know, maybe questing to move back to where we were where I was when we originated and where my husband always said we could look, which was in inner city because I had always chased the big city lights. And so we did that and we made this gigantic move, which was very um, not traditional Mm -hmm. because most people, you know, have a family, have children and move to the suburbs for Mm -hmm. space and, and all that. And so, but ours was very different. And this was something that my husband had said to me for nine years, the exact same way in the exact same tone. He said, we can look. And I thought, like I thought for most things, that's not what a woman who gets married does. That's not what a woman who has kids does. A woman, we compromise. Mm -hmm. We don't lead with who we are. We're now a part of a bigger team. But he said the same thing with the same tone, which was of caring and compassion of we can look. And so we looked, we moved. But then it was still, there was still this missing link. So after that, I recognized that I needed to go on this journey of self-discovery. And that, to me, um, was a line in the sand. And it wasn't, you know, when I look back now that it's technically ended three months ago, when I look back, it wasn't, it wasn't something that, um, it was a decision. Mm-hmm. It was a moment to start somewhere and to start clawing me back out And the only person I had to claw out of the muddy trenches out of was my own way. It had nothing to do with, nobody was holding me back. I married an amazing supportive man. I had a wonderful family, um, but it was me getting out of my own way. And I find that so often the case, right? Like, especially like 
women moms in general like we just put all this pressure on ourselves or this expectations of what being a mom is Mm -hmm. and um yeah it's it's funny if we can get out of our own way we can that's the hardest part so you're going to this ashram in guatemala oh yeah what do you what is that you're what is it you're looking for um so at this point let's backtrack so my start here was uh, starting with a non-for-profit and just getting aligned with my values of uh, family fitness community um because I had volunteered in non-for-profits for four years but it was always for the better good of the community mm-hmm. and as much as it filled my heart it wasn't there wasn't I wasn't included in the equation right mm-hmm. it was just about community so I started there so that lasted about a year and then at about 10 months in, I recognized that I needed something more. Um, and so my husband and I had made a decision that uh, I was going to take a week off to hit reset a year into this self-discovery journey. And so I started looking and everything was so westernized because in my mind, it was a yoga retreat, right? Mm-hmm. I was looking for a yoga retreat. And then this ashram came up and I had no clue what an ashram meant. And to be honest, when I got back, I Googled it because a part of me never wanted to know. Mm-hmm. Because when I went on and found this website, something felt right. Yeah. And it was a couple who had created this space. I read their first page and I said to my husband, I was like, so I'm going to Guatemala. And he goes, what? <laughs> and he fun goes, fact. Yeah, yeah, fun fact. And he goes, what do you mean you're going to Guatemala? And I was like, well, it just makes sense. And, and once again, remember, my husband married that woman. Mm-hmm. He married someone struck him by wonderlust and curiosity and, and just like the quest for the unknown. And so, and he also knows when I put my mind to something that is happening. And so, yeah. And so I, um, and when I was young, 18, 19, started traveling, I knew they had language schools in Guatemala. I had a friend who was from Guatemala, so it, it made sense to me. And Lake Atalan seemed like a very endearing place to mm-hmm. go. Now, this ashram, as far as Google Maps is concerned, does not really exist. It is on. <laughs> <laughs> it is a north of a, a tiny, what looks like a speck of dust, Mayan village, Sununa, and it looks like it's a 15 to 20 minute walk to the lake that potentially could be in a jungle path. And for me, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. So there, that makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so my expectation there was space. Mm -hmm. That was it. My expectation was that I'm going to find her Mm -hmm. and I'm going to dig her out and I'm going to see if I can be brave enough to get out of my own way. And if I can see the woman that I knew from my whole 20s through the lens of someone who was 36 years old. Then mm-hmm. so that the, the expectation wasn't, um, you know, to know what I was going to be when I grew up or, or anything. It was just to see if I was still in there and if I had the courage <laughs> to be tested. And I was tested off the get-go. I mean, I... I I got, and, and, you know, I said this from the moment I got back that um, it's hard to explain. I think it would be, it would be easy to understand written if I can ever write the words, but to explain of how many times I had to follow the pull and not the push to know, to, and, and learn to trust my intuition. Like Mm -hmm. I got to Mexico city and I completely missed my flight and I knew it in the lineup to make it to customs. I knew it. Mm-hmm. But, and my typical up until that point 
was to panic. That's what I always did when I had kids, every emergency, every non-emergency, I panicked. That was, had became my norm. But instead I put on music and I danced in the lineup and chatted with the people in front of me and accepted that this was meant to happen for a reason Mm -hmm. and, and kind of figure out that why. And that, that moment in that customs lineup set me up for the most beautiful seven days of my whole entire life. And now I chase those yogis around the world. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You met them in Thailand. Yeah. So uh, on day, um, so on day three of being at this, so, so let's backtrack as well. So the retreat was called Prana Rising. Mm -hmm. And to me, I was like, "Mm, that sounds cool. Like Prana Rising, what does that mean? And I remember after my heart had been served to me and pulsing on a silver platter and I was forced to like look at myself and I was bawling my eyes out. This is on day three there. Later that day, Arjuna, who I, you know, had messaged because technology is so amazing these days. I messaged him last week and I'm like, if people ask, like, do I call you a yogi? And he's like, or guru of the universe, like whatever you're going for, (laughs) (laughs) Um, him and his wife. And so that afternoon he had said to me, pulled me aside and he's like, how are you doing? Because there was only 11 people in this group Mm -hmm. and I made it very, you know, I wanted to be a part of the group and communicate, but I also knew that I needed to be in my own space in this process and, and kind of live, living it a little bit. And he goes, you know, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? And I was like, yeah, this is a lot more than I expected out of a yoga retreat. And he looked at me point blank in the eyes and he goes, what makes you think this was a yoga retreat? And I said, what? And he goes, there's nothing on our website that said this is a yoga retreat. Yeah. And I was like, then what is it? And he goes, Prana Rising. I was like, yeah, but, but, but what I does that, that mean? that was just a name, a brand. Yeah. And yeah. he goes, no, it's called Life Force Rising. Mm-hmm. And I like, pow. Like, <laughs> pow, like, double, like, knock you out, punch. But it was like, but once again, going back to this pull of not the push and trying to get out of my own way, everything led me there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so yeah, so after that day, um, I was talking to Arjuna. It's like I said, it's like a couple from, uh, he's from East Germany, uh, 40 years old. She's from Slovenia, 32 years old. And, and, uh, I was talking to Arpita and, uh, you know, cross-legged about the world and everything at 7:30 at night. And I said, you know, where do you do most of your practice? Do you guys go to India on like, where do you learn mm-hmm. and grow? And they said, yeah. And in Copenhagen. And I was like in Thailand, she's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, we'll come to Thailand. She goes, what? I said, oh, I'll go text Andy in the tree fort right now. Like, we'll just, in we'll come to Thai <laughs> And she goes, like, are you serious? And I was like, oh, yeah, just like give me till tomorrow. And so I texted. Give me till tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I texted my husband. And I said, do you want to go? Because another thing with losing yourself, sometimes like most of you probably have felt within your, you know, those child rearing years, you lose your marriage. Yeah. And even though there's love, the love is defined so differently. Yeah. And it's not defined by passions and the hobbies and, you know, the carelessness and, and, and all those amazing yeah, things. Yeah, you're keeping you the little children from killing themselves. Human beings. <laughs> alive. <laughs> yeah. And nobody gives you a manual. No. No. And so that's where your focus is. So yeah. it was very easy because one of the one of the best times that we have ever had in our life was when we went to Thailand on the West Coast to do a 10-day diving trip. And so I texted him and he said the usual, what he always says to me, can we afford it? Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, no, 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 absolutely no. And he goes, well, can you make it happen? And I said, always, Mm because that's what I do with travel. So I told them if they could, I was getting home 
um, if they could give me, you know, a few days, we might come meet them. And then three days after I got back from Guatemala, we had a trip to Thailand booked. Holy smokes. Mm -hmm. And then so we went and reignited our passion for diving. Um, and, you know, going back to this pull, not the push, like it took us 40 hours to get this to this Thailand island, mm. tiny island of Koh Tao, which a lot of people have been to because it's an amazing diving yeah. mecca and right beside Koh Samui and Koh Yang for the full moon party. But, you know, my husband's dove over, oh, well into the 500 dives all over the world. I've done over 100 dives. Mm -hmm. And on our first dive in Thailand, we were greeted by a whale shark. <gasps> and, like, you want to talk serendipity. Yeah. Like, it's, I believe that, you know, like, it's like, oh, thanks for coming. Yeah. I will meet you where you're at. And then, yeah, and then now it keeps going. So four days after that, we went to meet them in Copenhagen. And within, because I knew my husband needed to meet them for this passion. Mm -hmm. Not for approval, but just because I knew. Yeah. I inherently knew that these people would be a part of my life. And so, yeah, so we met them. Yeah, within a half an hour into dinner, they were like, I'm shocked that you're not coming to India. And I was like, what? And they were like, oh, yeah, we're hosting our first ever pilgrimage. Are you going to India, Charlotte? I'm going to India <laughs> in March. That's amazing. For a 14-day for pilgrimage. Wow. <laughs> With the same people that I met yeah. in Guatemala. So... It sounds like this was very much um, about opening up for you, getting back to to her, like you're mm -hmm. saying, which is now you. I would say, that, <laughs> like, yeah, are we, are and we it was always, yeah. yeah, and and now, um, so I call it finding her because I think it's really uh, for me as a woman, and I think for a lot of women, sometimes it's hard, like I said, to get out of our own way, and so when we can define you know, not who we were before kids or who we were before marriage in the sense of not wanting that life. I want everything that my life has, yeah. but I want the spirit, the spirit yeah. of who she always was, um, and is, and now, yeah, and now is. Yeah. So, okay. You come back from that trip mm -hmm. now. Well, I know what your career is now, <laughs> but can you tell me where the, the fitness and all of that came to be and how that became a business? Yeah. So how did that trip kind of like yeah. So what happened was I came back and I started volunteering at, I think I was up to five, um, five non-for-profits within a six months period of coming back because now I recognized, um, that I just needed to figure out, there's an amazing book, The Pilgrimage, and uh, they go on this journey to find the sword. I shouldn't ruin the ending, but okay. anyway, I needed to learn what I needed to do with my power of who I was right? Um, and my spirit and what I had found through this quest. And so I started marching on this path of how, um, yeah, how to get within non-for-profits and then which turned into how to empower women and work re-engagement into the workforce. But all the way through this, the last place I landed was with a LinkedIn headshot of me in a blazer and a blouse. And I was like, oh, this isn't who I am. <laughs> Which it had to make me stop and have this aha moment to be like, where did I start this journey of self-discovery? Yeah. And I started it at a non-for-profit that led with fitness, that believed in family, that believed in community. And so I had to reel that all back in and go, okay, I need to get back in fitness. So I made it. So a for those that don't know, it's the YMCA. Yeah, it's the yeah. YMCA. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm still with the YMCA. You know, it's yeah. been almost two years. But so I had to align with my values of fitness. But I knew that because of this life that I lead, that wanted to be a traveler, that wanted, you know, we, we spend our summers out at Lake Windermere, British Columbia. 
Yeah, with our family and um, in a trailer because it's our amazing small space to be that grounds us in nature. And um, a trailer with an enormous deck? We built, so we have this two-bedroom, you know, it's a 35-foot trailer. It's still yeah. a, a, a decent-sized trailer, but it's our. it looks like a tiny house. Yeah. Um, I just assumed it was a house because I'd seen the pictures no. of how like, huge the deck so is. So we, uh, we <laughs> built, yeah, no, we built, we built a 40-foot by 16-foot deck because we recognize that the value of being all the way in Windermere yeah. and being a camper even if the trailer sat there, was being in nature and that yeah. nature grounds us. And so we wanted to give that life, have that life, not only for ourselves, but give that to our kids where we weren't yeah. inside. So no, oh, we just, that's our house is pretty much that deck. Yeah, that's um, awesome. But because of that, I didn't want to now that I'd finally start to live in line with my values. I didn't want to stray from my values yeah. and start a career where I had to be grounded. So yeah, I started an online uh online fitness and accountability business where I predominantly support women to find her and to do that through daily habits of fitness and accountability and health. So here's what I love about your approach to it, because I'm not going to lie, I have (laughs) skepticism about a lot of like fitness programs. Oh, totally. Because I'm just, because I very much like, you know, I had the diets, Mm -hmm. I had the whatever, Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. And like I did Weight Watchers mm-hmm. for a couple of years and mm-hmm. like lost a lot of weight and kept it off. And that was great. But it very much what I what I hated about it was food became good or bad. Totally. Uh, you it was like there was a morality around it um, and it became all consuming. Like you knew mm-hmm. how many points were in every goddamn food. And then fitness became this thing that was you have to do it to keep the weight off and not do it because you love it. And do um, it because you're grounded by the habit. Right. So, yeah, so that's why I had a lot of skepticism. But what I've seen from you and what I love about what I've seen from you is it's about fitness as a a tool or an entryway, if you will, to, like you're saying, finding yourself, loving yourself putting yourself first so it's, so it's not a weight loss it's no. not weight loss is a like a bonus <laughs> oh it's such a bonus yeah or not just on the belt it's such a bonus and you know it's really it's really interesting to try and run a business where a part of me is so driven by changing this culture of yeah. what women believe health and fitness to be because that has been such a norm for so many yeah. people, including myself, like I'm, like I said earlier, I'm 37 years old and I've never been this healthy, lean and fit before in my life. And when people ask me or bring it up, I always am like, oh yeah, yeah, I guess so. But it's kind of just my smile. Yeah. And they're like, what? And I was like, no, scroll back on the Instagram feed. Like even at the ashram, yeah. it's the smile that's building. Like now, if you see my smile, yeah. Most of the time, my teeth aren't even closed. Like, I can't. (laughs) Like, it just, it's joy. Yeah. It's funny you say that because, I mean, part of my research uh, (laughs) is is Facebook stalking. Hey, you friend of me. That's what you get. Yeah. Um, But I went back quite a few years, and I know what you're saying Mm because I could see that it's a smile with the eyes, right? Like it's that's the what eyes. I say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a light. Yeah, like this kid. Sorry, for those that don't know, we're recording with my little baby girl right here. And, like... I always say you can tell she might not be smiling with her face, mm-hmm. but she's smiling with her eyes. And like mm-hmm. you now smile with your eyes in a way that like I can see that growth. I can yeah. see that change in your pictures. And it's interesting because I feel like I could write a million things on social media. I could post a million things. But the majority of people yeah. see that light 
and they're like, oh, maybe she's on to something. And you know, yeah. I say that my, my greatest goal is always for people to think that I'm absolutely crazy <laughs> or maybe for one minute, just completely onto something. And, yeah. and yeah, so it's, it's, it's been interesting, but you know, you look back when you look back on different people, when, you know, they're starting a business or they're starting a journey, sometimes, you know, social media says like, oh, you shouldn't have so many pictures or oh, oh, and people delete. But that's if people don't know that the story began. Yeah. And, you know, it goes back to my groups as well. So in our challenge groups, we post or recommend to post daily selfies, sweaty selfies. Yeah. And at first people are very reluctant, right? Because yeah. they're like, A, why would I want to do that? B, it's horrible. But what I now tell women is it's the mirror that they're not willing to look at. Yeah. And when you take a picture of yourself and then you hit send even though it's in this private inclusive caring compassionate amazing women's only group yeah you're forced to say i'm enough yeah me today where i'm at today on this journey is enough and we need so much more of that in our society so much yeah. more so before we get into the five questions i ask everyone because yes. i could talk to you for hours yes, like this is the thing <laughs> but um for women who are stuck who are feeling not themselves, who are feeling lost. Like we've talked about your journey, but what's mm. your advice? What is the tangible steps you suggest that they sort of take to find her again? Oh, that's a good question. I think it starts with belief. Like believe that she's there and she never left. Like she never left you. You're going to make me cry. <laughs> she didn't. And, and I think that that's the hardest thing that I had to learn. And that when I help people is that like, if you just take a minute and look at her in the mirror and you, instead of thinking as, as you and you're talking to you, look at her and say, I got you. And if you believe from the bottom of your heart then you can start and then and then and then the first tangible step is know that every day you wake up and every day is another baby step yeah and it's not you know my groups may sometimes be 28 days or 6 weeks or or whatever but but the journey is in the daily practice yeah it's so funny you say that not funny haha but like (laughs) (laughs) but I feel that myself included at times but so many women you look in the mirror and you see the flaws you see the challenges you see the problems so that vulnerability of looking in the mirror and saying I believe deep down that she's there Mm -hmm. that's a game changer it's such a but it's hard but Mm -hmm. but yeah if you strip away all the negative and just stop stop berating yourself and like just focus on what is deep down there at the core and you know the the one thing and I you know I (laughs) I right you agree and you're just little yeah and I think sometimes the hardest thing is as women you know we didn't have a choice to go buy clothing or underwear with 18 foot women in their underwear that are a size minus zero. That wasn't a choice for us. And I think that that's one thing that, or the magazines we buy or things like, right? Yeah. 
and even the magazines like like when people always say to me and you know oh the quest for abs and I'm this and that and I'm like do you want that life? Because that life looks very different than mm -hmm. balance. And when I say balance, let's also make this clear that balance, <laughs> balance is a mystical creature. Balance is a unicorn. Yep. It is a mystical creature. And I am willing to, you know, chase the rainbow and be there as the unicorn and as the mascot yep. to help remind people that it just, it doesn't, it doesn't, it just doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, balance is doing the best you can every day. Balance is waking up and looking in the mirror and saying, I'm enough. Yeah. So today I'm going to try hard enough with what I have today. Yeah. Because if your baby has woken you up, you know, when people say, oh, do you wish you started sooner? And I always think, you know, no, I wish I knew sooner that I was enough starting today. Yeah. But starting sooner, I don't know. I don't know that at where I was in in my life that I could have gotten. Yeah. But that's my goal of helping women wherever they're at. Yeah. You know, to start where they're at. So how can women find you? How can they work with you? Oh well. Yeah, I gotta get my website up and going. Maybe today I'll start that. But I am fun. This Girls won't Fit be going Club. live for a couple months, so oh, you got time to do that. So, but we'll link to it in the show notes. Yeah. So uh, there will be a website uh, www.fungirlsfitclub.com. It exists, um, and then I'm on Instagram as well as Facebook on fungirlsfitclub.com. I'm Liz Tizard. Yeah. Um, as well, but yeah, perfect. So yeah, no, I think. What can someone expect with one of your challenges? That I care deeply. Yeah. I love openly. I understand completely. And I expect nothing but for you to show up and try. Yeah. So what I love about that, I've said this to a few guests, is that's why this podcast is called Girl Tries Life. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you succeed or fail. Mm -hmm. I care that you try. Mm -hmm. For yourself. For more yourself. More than anything else. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we're going to move into the five questions oh, the that five I questions. ask all my guests. It's funny because they slightly have changed over time. I have a feeling I know some of these and we talked about. Well, what are the things or the projects that get you fired up in a good way? Um, for me, it's bridging gaps. So I, I spend... I spend the better part of my life these days <laughs> uh, finding the gap. So like in my business, for example, it's finding the gap that... You know, very few people are willing to say, trust the process, yeah. show up and try that they have this expectation that we're supposed to vacuum, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, vacuum sections of our body in 21 days to be a new self. And yeah. so and then bridging the gaps as well. Like I helped reignite a grand friend reading program with uh, our kids elementary school. Because I noticed that there's this huge gap in society, especially living in Calgary, where a lot of people aren't from here, yeah. where they um, don't have seniors in their life or even aunts yeah. and uncles, let alone grandparents. So, you know, bridging that gap and bringing people from the community as well as grandparents from the school, as well as creating a relationship with uh, one of the seniors homes within our community to bridge that gap. You know, and bridging the gap, 
I, I'm very easily excitable. Yeah. Um, it, <laughs> it makes me very happy to show up places and just uh, be easily excitable about all the awesome things in the city. So I don't, I'm not shy to shine my light and be geeked out and yeah. wear t-shirts from children's place <laughs> and, you know, woohoo when I'm in events because it makes people wake up. Yeah. And so I think it's less, um, it's less about, uh, it's more of a day-to-day, you know, going back to the ashram and, and finding my space, it's more of a day-to-day practice of showing up authentically as me um, and bridging the gap as well as from, you know, this this kind of place where a lot of people are, are almost numb and tired and too busy to just be like, let's wake up and let's have fun. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I... Um, lie. I'm going to ask you another question yes. before we because I just really want to know, and it just occurred to me. We're talking wi- like women's empowerment, mm-hmm. but you're a mom to two boys. Mm-hmm. What do you hope they learn, or th- from your actions, from what they see of their mom? Yeah. So, so first, what's funny about that is when I had two boys, uh, the first thing I said to my husband was, "Thank goodness," and he said, "Why?" And I said, because it's my goal in life to help empower women. And I don't know. (laughs) I don't know because I know who I was as a teenager um, that I needed. I knew that I didn't, uh, to have a girl wasn't, you know, it's not what I was. I didn't, I knew I wasn't here for that to serve. And so with two boys, my goal is always to raise very, you know, next gen men who, know that no it's so important to me to know that they can be authentically who they are that they can use their feelers to feel and you know not have to hold up the side of a gym and dance with all of their expression which they do oh my goodness do these boys dance but that they um, can be exactly who they are because I think no matter whether you're a man or a woman there there comes with those challenges as well my just my goal is and I'm extremely uh, motivated and determined by empowering women. Yeah. I love it. Next gen men. Next gen men. Do you know, it's funny. That's when like having a son, I was like, I was like, in some ways it's hard. It's harder because there's things I hadn't thought about. Like how do I raise a feminist man and how do I write, you know, but I think that's the thing with, um, that I've learned with having two boys is that we have this opportunity to just raise kids. Yeah and humans to be exactly who they are instead of, you know, these stereotypes that were, we were maybe raised with and the generations before were raised with more and more. Um, I think that's kind of the joy. Yeah. What's the most inspiring book you've read in the past few oh years? My you talked about being like a personal development reader yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, by far, by far, um, it's The Happiness Equation. I've read it. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh my goodness. And you know what's so interesting about this book? I had coveted buying this book so bad. Yeah. And I pick it up at Costco and I'm so excited and I've heard so many amazing things about it. And I dropped it in the mud. (laughs) And as I was like walking into my minivan and I picked it up and I was like, life lesson. Like, you know, you could quest and search for happiness as much as you want, but you're still going to lie in the mud. And so, um, it, uh, he's a Canadian author. Um, Neil Pratt, Pat, Parisha, Parisha, 
what's his name, but uh, he has broken down all these amazing key principles in very like by scribbles and it's literally like reading a bunch of thoughts. But one of the one of the first thoughts, which I think is phenomenal, is be happy first. And so everybody always thinks if I do great work, I have big success, then I'm gonna be happy. Yeah. But what if he I do states A if yeah. I A, I'll get to B and then happiness. But yeah. the reality is, and he's dead on right, it always leads to another goal. Yeah. And so he says, if you put it in the front of the equation, um, if you put it at the front of the equation and you just be happy first, you'll end up in turn doing great work, which in turn will lead to big success. Now for me, me being happy means taking care of me. Me doing great work means helping taking you taking care of you. My big success is a combination of the two. And so, and then another thing that was, that was beautiful within it um, to learn was he talks about um, the burn zone. And this has helped. Oh my goodness. This has helped me so much in my life. So he says that it's a graph. And so split a graph into four boxes Mm -hmm. or just buy the book. (laughs) (laughs) We'll link to Um, it. Yeah. Yeah. So, but what he talks about is that when you're at a high level of thinking and not doing, you're in the thinking box, Mm -hmm. which is the top left. When you're in a high level of doing, you're not thinking. You're just busy doing, right? You're working mm-hmm. out, you're cooking dinner, you're doing. So you're in the bottom right, which is the doing box. But if you are doing and thinking always at once, it brings you to the top right, which is burn zone, which in turn leads to burnout. Because mm-hmm. you're always thinking and you're always doing and you don't know how to shut off. Mm-hmm. But the beautiful part is kitty corner to that, to the burn, is space. And that's when you recognize that you can take the time to stop doing, you could stop thinking, and you could just be. And in space is normally what for me, I find, and I say grounded a lot, but it grounds me. So when I am busy doing and thinking and, you know, being that mascot of my life and, and showing up, it allows me to settle to sleep yeah (laughs) right to get a good night's rest and then to be able to reset and start again yeah but I lived a lot of my life in doing thinking and then which in turn led to the burnout yeah oh I hear you I've had Mm -hmm. shingles twice right like I've been the burnout person Mm -hmm. I had shingles in my first pregnancy yeah, mm-hmm. it's not fun when it's, you're pregnant. It's not. It's not it's, fun ever. It's not fun, and and then you you sit there and you think like my body knows, which goes back to that falling the pull, not the push. Like my intuition also knows who I am. Yeah, it knows where I should go next yeah. and what I should follow when it comes to my passions and and so much we've been taught in in how we think and how we do and how we eat and how we live to stop listening to our intuition. Oh, I know. And so it's funny if we just like you're saying, get out of your own way mm-hmm. to listen to yourself, to listen to your mm-hmm. body, to listen to your needs. Mm-hmm. Holy moly, everything can it's change crazy. for the better. Well, and live. This is another thing that I always say to friends, family. I remind myself of every day. My challengers is the 80-20 rule is so, you know, like today I bought chocolate, brought chocolate yeah. covered croissants, right? 
And people will say like, well, well, you don't eat like you must not eat junk food. Well, yes, I do. But I eat it. I eat it and I live my life in 80 to 20 percent because I was raised in this grading system as if you hit 80 percent, it was an A. Yeah. So I've always not necessarily tried to aim for 97 percent or even 82 percent. It was always just to get that A. So when I think of my workouts, because I have this daily habit of working out or carving out time a half an hour for me every day. Um and sometimes it's just a walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times, the majority of time, it's, it's in doing my workout. But when I think of 80, 20%, it also gives myself the grace to enjoy. Yeah. And by enjoying, you're more likely to continue the journey in your health. In your fitness. like we were talking yeah, about. And yeah, and consistency. But if you are constantly striving for 100%, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And I even go as far to say that, yeah, look at your day. But then in some days, look at your week. Mm-hmm. Because then you also learn to give yourself grace that, hey, I did really good yeah. this week. Yeah. Instead of the punching bag. Yep. <laughs> right? Yeah. So a huge part of what I believe in is that stress is at the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. Um, how do, what are your methods for handling stress? I imagine fitness, but what else? Uh, no, so my uh, – it fitness is a part of it. So – what I've learned, and I, I try to live by daily, once again, 80 to 20, um, I live and land on my daily habits and what I value. Mm-hmm. So if anybody, maybe you want to link it to show notes too, but if anybody's ever heard of your values. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe that when we lead it, live in line with our values, that we become and are our true authentic self. Yeah. And so there's an amazing website called Mind Tools. Um, that has a values test and it's a three minute video and then it gives you all these values. Mm-hmm. But what finding out what your true values are and everybody's values are different. So you could not have your number one value as say generosity, but you can be a very, very kind person. Yeah. So for me, my values are fun, family, adventure, community, and fitness. I have to live in my daily habits, in my values every day to have a good day. Now, do I get to go to the side of a mountain in Guatemala or chase to Thailand every day to get adventure? No. And I've had to learn that I can still be happy by adventuring in my community. Yeah. And looking for public art or being in Rollerblading downtown. Rollerblading. I rollerblade downtown. (laughs) But that adventure can be in bite-sized pieces. But that adventure of travel is a very big part of who I am. So that needs to be there. So fitness. So whether that's, you know, my half an hour workouts or mm-hmm. going for a walk. Fun. I have to laugh and I have to smile every day. Yeah. Community. It's a huge part of me. Volunteerism is a huge part of my life mm-hmm. and just being integrated within the community I live in and our community in Calgary. And then my family, not yeah. just being a mom and being a wife, but actually enjoying a pocket and let me reinforce a pocket of time with my family when you are cooking dinner is not the pocket of time I give um to my family but them sitting on the island while I cook in that two-minute conversation sometimes is enough yeah so what's the best life lesson that you've learned or advice that you've been given so two so two things uh one is you can have it all you just can't have it all at once. And so when I go back to this mystical creature of balance, I think of, you know, when I gave in service to my family as a stay-at-home mom for eight years, that will balance what I choose and do for my career and passion project and 
I have my whole life and I, I work since I was 12. So, yeah. you know, to take this gap from twen- from 12, you know, work 12 to 29 and then spend eight years serving my family. And it was work. Like it is. Oh, 100%. Work. It's just we're not used to doing work without getting paid. Yeah. We have such validation strapped to this paycheck. Yeah. Um, that that's where it becomes the challenge. But, you know, that was one of my mentors, uh, my mom's best friend, who I, I was raised, you know, by the most amazing woman in the whole entire world. But looking up to her best friend to figure out in my 30s that my mom and her are the exact same people, which yeah. was also interesting as well. But um, she always said that to me is, you know, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at once. Yeah. And for me, um, I had lived my life and now I continue to live my life by I call it the rocking chair theory so if I am 80 years old and I am in my rocking chair with my husband beside me and we're rocking on our front porch and yes we now have a front porch in the community (laughs) we live in because it was very important with my rocking chair theory yeah um I have a swivel chair not a rocking chair at this point but majority of what I consider big decisions that I make I always make under this idea that if I was an 80 year old woman in a rocking chair would I sit back and have regret or would I be happy with the life that I chose and the adventures I did and the passions that I you know quested on to to be my full self and show up authentically as me and it has served me well it's taken me that rocking chair theory has pretty much allowed me to get out of my own way yeah. uh, for all of my 20s and and now again. Because it's hard. It goes back to that finding her, right? But in a different, it's like my past self and my future self. Mm-hmm. When I look at my future, I don't want to let her down either. Yeah. I want her to be like, oh, honey, you rocked this. Yeah. <laughs> this thing called life, you showed up for you yeah and and you know you and I show up for others every day of my life but I I have learned in these last you know two plus years of the journey of self-discovery is you know showing up for ourselves isn't selfish I can't serve others unless I'm a part of the equation you know and I used to say when I started these challenge groups like you have to put you first, put you first. And then a very amazing friend said to me, you know, it's actually not about putting you first. Yeah. It's about putting you somewhere. Yeah. And so we just have to be part of the equation. And when we're part of the equation and we're filled up, oh my goodness, does the joy and the light yeah. shine. And I see that so much now, like, and it's so much more important as a mom than it was before, I think, for me oh my at goodness. least. Like, because yeah, you're you know, your free time is next to nothing. It's next to nothing. And I think the other thing is that, you know, and we were talking about this prior is that most generations before us are, our moms were probably on the cusp. Mm -hmm. Most generations before us, a standard practice was more of the woman stays at home. The woman is the main caregiver. And so I think, you know, historically we've built who we are based on what we saw out of our mothers, our grandmothers, and maybe for some of us like myself of our great grandmothers of what being a woman looked like. Yeah. And so now I think we have all these shining examples. You know, I, I, this one woman I spend time with at at one of my son's friend's birthdays parties and she's a full-time working mom. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is a woman who works full-time who also happens to be a mom. And she said to me, uh, you know, I really wish I could volunteer in the school like you. And I said, you know what? But here's the thing. 
if I don't have you, I don't know that I can work full time and I can achieve and work towards a career. So having you in our ecosystem as being women, we actually need all of us because that's how we thrive and that's how we know that we have options, I believe. And it's why, you know, building this business as um, a very passion-driven but still part-time business within being able to raise my kids and stay at home lands within my values because I know it's right for me. But I'm also so you know, empowered by everybody who's doing what's right for them. Yeah. Yeah. I love it because it, it is, yeah, we we get into that comparison game that, to, like, there's such strength to be able to figure out what's right for you. Oh, and, and to own it and to, like, unabashedly, this is, this is mine. And this oh, is how I live. <laughs> and you know what? I think the biggest thing, the pie has so many pieces. Yeah. And I think... You know, because so few women, you know, in Lean In, Cheryl Sandberg's uh, Lean mm-hmm. In, so many few, so few women originally or a while ago sat at the table that we always, I don't know, I shouldn't say we, but sometimes we Competed thought we had to fight, yeah. we, that we yeah, had to yeah. compete for it. But the reality is, is like, we know how to multitask like nobody's business. We know how to keep a million thoughts straight and compartmentalize them into all these little file folders in our mind and then in our work. I don't feel like that at the moment. Well, but (laughs) but at six months in, you shouldn't, right? I'm six and a half, I'm eight years in. But I just, I feel like if we learn to rise each other up and if we know that, like for example, you run a podcast. Well, raising a child, well, having being on maternity leave from an amazing career. Because so, it fills my bucket. Because it fills your bucket. But appreciate and understand, I yeah. don't need to run a podcast because yeah, yeah. you're doing a phenomenal <laughs> job. And I say that sincerely sure. because while I'm a girl trying life, you're exposing women all over the world to different women trying life. And so I don't have to. I don't have to look and say, oh, and do I also need to roster up trying to to build a podcast? I don't because there's an amazing, you're an amazing woman who's doing that. And I say that so sincerely because sometimes I think we think we need in that do it all, have it all. We think we have to check all those boxes. But that everyone else is doing. Yeah. But we don't. We just have to, what fills you up? Like, yeah. And what fills me up, that's where, that's the road. Yeah. And the road is a choose it own adventure. There's nothing straight or flat about it. Yeah. Yeah. So I could talk to you for ages. I know. But my final question, Liz, is what does it mean to you to live your best life? To lead with joy. Because I think happiness is, happiness in its entirety is impossible because Life has suffering and people get sick and things happen. And I mean, your kids have a bad day at school and they ruin it all. But if yeah. you if you can lead your life through joy, meaning what fills you as you authentically up from the inside, you not only become joy, but then you share joy to others and it ripples. And I think that it's within the ripple that, I don't know, we can kind of change the world. <laughs> Yeah. yeah it has been such a pleasure to have you on the podcast well thank you <laughs> it's been an honor 